I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome in to It's Utah's World. We appreciate you guys tuning in as we do every week, keeping the lights on for us. I'm Tom Hackett. That is Steve Bartle that you hear, that you will hear momentarily. Big shout out, of course, to our sponsor, Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. They've got some cracking deals going on now. I understand the economy is struggling. It's hurting. But, uh, but hopefully it's, it's picking itself up slowly but surely. Uh, regardless, if, um, if you have a little extra money or you're in desperate need of a car, there is no better time to buy than right now. I'm just telling you that the financing that you'll get on a vehicle right now is better than you will get uh, any time in the foreseeable future. They want to get cars off their lot. They want to have you drive them. So um, go down, check them out. They're open. They've been open, and um, they'd love they'd love to hear from you. So, uh, thank you to Nate Wade Subaru, Steve. It looks like you're back in Salt Lake City, my friend. I am. Yeah, back home. We came home from Arizona. Uh, you know, after our uh, after our little escape down to Arizona for almost a month, man. We were down there for a while. I didn't realize how much time was going by until you know we came home. But yeah, we were down there for three weeks. Good to be back, though. Good to be back home. Um, you know, Utah's starting to, to open back up, which is, you know, it's a mixture of feelings, obviously, right? But, you know, it's, it's going to be back home for sure and, and back podcasting, Tom. Yeah, it's good, to, it's good to see you. You look like you've gotten some sun. You look like you ate some great food down there. You were talking to me off, off um, I guess, you know, before we clicked record. You love the food yeah. down there, Steve. What, what, what's your go-to meal? Oh, man. Anything Mexican, like that's the thing. That that Mexican food, man, that gets me. That speaks to me. Like tacos, tacos are the ideal food for me. Like if I had, if I could put together my perfect meal, it would involve tacos for sure. No, I I, I think you're not alone there. In fact, I had tacos the other day. My wife, she works up in Bountiful, although she's working from home at the minute. But there's a there's a place up there called El Dorado's, and if if you haven't had Ooh, yeah. Tacos from El Dorado's. Have you? Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, these things are yeah. so good. And I bought eight tacos. So Kate oh, had oh. four and I had four, but they're small. You know, they're like, you know, your yeah. traditional Mexican taco. And, uh, and so four's perfect. And it cost me like $14 with a 20% tip. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what, 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 can I live? In the back of your shop, please, because that's all yeah. I'll eat. It's cheaper than <laughs> yeah, going to the just grocery. Give me the tacos. Store. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's um, fantastic. Anyway, there's a little free pub for Eldorados. Great people as well, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, they have a food truck. I think that's shut down at the minute due to the whole coronavirus thing. But their restaurant is open. You can't eat there; it's all takeout. But um, you can go in and order. Just have to stay six feet apart. And uh, they would like, as many businesses locally uh, would would like you to uh, to wear a face mask and uh, and some gloves, just to um, just to keep them safe. And, uh, and to make sure that they can maintain business. So, uh, anywho, we've got a fun show for you. Um, I had this idea um, for a conversation regarding kind of the home versus away fixture that Utah is going to see in 2020, assuming they have a schedule. Now, you, you would also assume if they do have a, a, a fall schedule, there's probably not going to be any spectators. So that that does, I guess, put Utah in a more neutral ground aspect when it comes to who they play at home versus who they play away when they play at home steve you know this uh, just as well as i do the, the home atmosphere the home crowd uh, rallies behind the guys and and it does help you know the, the north end zone the mass uh, everybody else in between uh, they get rowdy they create noise they make it incredibly difficult for opposing offenses to uh, to operate um, just to just to be able to talk a lot a lot of teams come to rice Eccles stadium and uh, and they have to utilize uh, different ways to communicate, you know, because they, they, you can't hear you can't hear everybody on the field with the with the uh, the crowd of Rice Eccles Stadium blasting in your ears. So um, that's going to change if there's no yeah. spectators, right? You know, they're going to be able to operate a lot easier, and uh, and I think vice versa for Utah going going to opposing away stadiums. The only difference I think is in the in the Pac-12, and this is. You know, I'm not trying to offend anybody in the Pac-12 necessarily, but there are a lot of stadiums that don't get a full crowd in no. the Pac-12. You know, Arizona uh, is one, uh, Cal Berkeley another, um, Stanford. Stanford's horrific. UCLA, yeah. UCLA stinks when it comes to crowd attendance. So, um, you know, you, you named a couple. I named a couple. It's it's going to be fascinating. So the, there are a few though, like Oregon will pack out. And you know what's a sleeper that you wouldn't expect to be a sleeper is Oregon State. Oregon State can get can get loud despite how interesting horrific they are. So anyway, yeah. we'll go through the home and away schedule. We'll talk about kind of whether or not we think Utah's got a good schedule. All things considering, no spectators. Uh, and then, uh, and then, and then, Clark Phillips the third, um, his old man Steve sent you a video of Clark dunking, which certainly warrants a conversation. And of course, we'll get into Peter Caselli, the latest four-star quarterback committed to the Utes out of Mission Viejo. Uh, one of your guys over there at Two Four Seven Sports spoke to his high school coach and um, got some insight on on, on Mister Caselli how he's been working out, what uh, some of his strengths are, what some of his weaknesses are, because everybody has them. Um, So it'll be a fun show, I think, regardless. But we'll start with the home and away schedule. I'll I'll be quick. I've got it pulled up right here. We'll go, we'll go, we'll run through it. And then we can kind of go back and forth, Steve, as to um, where we think Utah sits when it comes to no crowd, you know, do, are they right. in a good position uh, or are they in a bad position? So it all starts, uh, assuming it all starts on, on schedule, on time. On September 3rd, um, Utah will host the BYU Cougars. Uh, the week later, they'll host Montana State. And then they go to Wyoming. That'll round out the, um, the non-conference schedule. The 
conference schedule starts on September 26th. They travel to Cal Berkeley. They then return home and take on the USC Trojans. They then travel away and take on Washington State up there in the Palouse. Come back home, so they've gone back and forth. Uh, they'll, they'll face Washington at home. Then their only bye week occurs on October 24th. The following five weeks of the season look like this. They go to UCLA, take on uh, the Bruins out there at the Rose Bowl, return home to take on Arizona. Back to back at home because the following week they take on the Beavers, the Oregon State Beavers, and then to finish out the season, they have two road trips. They go down uh, to Arizona State and then across the Wasatch Mountain Range to Colorado. So, Steve, I guess um, you look at the schedule, you you think that all things considering, assuming no fans will be in attendance, do you like the way it, it's set up for Utah? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think when you look at this schedule, um, there's nothing nothing on the schedule that is – super difficult there's not like a really difficult stretch right like they'll welcome usc to 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 rice cycle stadium this year they go to ucla um a, a program that's utah's had their number the last few years uh you've got oregon state who jonathan jonathan smith has done a, a good job of adding talent to that program but i still think they're a little bit behind utah i still think they've got a ways to climb uh, before they 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 really enter the conversation, but I mean, when you just look up and down this schedule, it's a pretty favorable schedule. You know, looking at it home and away, outside of the last two games with Arizona State and Colorado on the road, there's not a super difficult stretch for Utah. I like the way that this is set up, uh, just because it's a good mix of of home and away games um, for for the team. They're they're not home. You know, for for multiple games at a time, they're not on the road for multiple games at a time. It's it's pretty pretty well distributed for sure. I like the schedule a lot. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think you know you don't play Stanford and you don't play Oregon. They're the two teams that mm-hmm. Utah will not play from the North, the Pac-12 North. That is, and I think anytime you can kind of evade Stanford and Oregon um, is a good thing. The only other team that you'd like to evade. Uh, from the north would be Washington, but um, as as the schedule kind of uh, prohibits, you you only don't play two teams from the north, so you're never going to be able to play. You're never not going to be able to play rather all three teams. So I think no Stanford, no Oregon is is a good schedule. Uh, can we yeah. agree that Utah goes three and zero in non conference play? Yeah, yeah, I I think that's that's definitely you know. More than doable, that's for sure. I think, obviously, what do you think is the more difficult game, Tom? Is it BYU or is it Wyoming? I think it's got to be BYU, personally. Okay. And, I, and I say that because it's, it's a rivalry game. And I know Utah's had their number over the years. And, and, and you look at the two teams on paper, and, and, you know, regardless of how, how much talent Utah lost off the defensive side of the ball, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I should say. They they still they still have recruited at a much higher level than BYU has, um, and I just think that their talent uh, far outweighs what the Cougars have. Um, however, you know it is a rivalry game. You 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 just never quite know. Even last year, you know when Utah was so strong and they were they were the, the presumed Pac-12 champion team, the favorite mm-hmm. to win the, lead, the the conference, 
you, you just go into that game kind of on edge a little bit because yeah. you know BYU are going to get up for that game. You know it's kind of like their Super Bowl. They want to beat Utah. They haven't done so in so long, and, and they'll do anything in their power, anything and everything in their power to, to accomplish that task. So I think BYU year in and year out, assuming we play them in non-conferences, you know, unless we play, you know, another team like Michigan at the same time, I, I just, I just think BYU is going to be, going to be difficult. Wyoming, though, however, and granted, I've never been up there to Laramie, um, so I don't really understand kind of what that's all about. But, um, but I think BYU is a tricky game, and uh, yeah. I think it is every year. What, what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I think BYU. I think Wyoming is is an interesting challenge just because they've been willing to you know schedule some of these power five teams and they've give them you know a, a run for their money i think they beat missouri whether i can't remember if it, i think it was last year last year or the year before they actually beat missouri um but their record overall versus these you know power five programs isn't all that great so i think wyoming is probably more pesky than than formidable. I think that they can you know cause some issues, but I don't think they're a, a legitimate threat. Whereas BYU, obviously, with the rivalry, you know Utah and BYU know each other inside and out, right? Like there's so that's that's always going to be a challenge. I think you know we've said it, um, you know for for some time now. You know we've been saying that this was going to be BYU's best shot at, at beating Utah just because of the amount of talent and experience that Utah loses from last year's team. You talk about replacing nearly the entire defense, losing Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Darren Paulo. Um, that's a lot to lose. And, and BYU, they do return a lot of key players. So this is this is BYU's best shot. But like you've said, I think that there is – um, plenty of talent. There's a big talent difference between the, the two programs, um, you know, throughout the depth chart. And I think, I think Utah's coaches um, are, are simply just on, on another level. They, you know, watching Morgan Scally evolve as a defensive coordinator over the years has been, you know, a lot of fun to watch. Andy Ludwig is, you know, he's, he's great at what he does. So I, I just think there's still, still a gap you know, still a significant gap between Utah and BYU. But I, I, I do think um, that this is their best shot at, at beating Utah. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think Zach Wilson's a talent, uh, and I think he's more than capable to knock off the Utes if, if Utah doesn't come out uh, all guns blazing. Right. So, Steve, uh, there, there are four games, and, and really there are three, but I'll, I'll throw in the fourth, where I think Utah has a chance at losing. I, I, I think Utah beats... The Cal Bears, um, I, I, don't, I don't think California can beat Utah, but, but that's just me. I, I also think Utah will beat UCLA, Arizona, Oregon State, and Colorado. Uh, and and I, don't th- I don't really see a way for those teams t- to beat Utah. But there are four games that, that you look at that you go, boy, uh, it's going to be a difficult game for Utah. Now, they certainly can win them, uh, and they certainly can win them all, but they, they're probably not going to. And those games are USC, uh, Washington, mm-hmm. Arizona State. And then the fourth one that I was hesitant on was was uh, 
Washington State. I, I, did I say what, that twice? I meant to say USC, Washington State, Washington, and Colorado. But Washington State okay. to me is kind of the one where I'm, you know, because they lost Mike Leach. And so you, don't, mm-hmm. you never really know how to. But under Mike Leach, they were an incredibly difficult team to, to beat. And Utah found that out, especially going up there to Pullman, Washington. So um, USC, obviously, every time, every time Utah and USC play, to me it feels like the winner of that game is going to be in the driving seat to, to win right. the South, and they're going to have to get, kind of get in their own way to lose that. So, so that's scary, and, and, and obviously the talent that USC has year in and year out is going to be, um, is going to be difficult for Utah to overcome. Uh, Washington, good, good football team. Now I, now I understand they, they don't have um, the head coach up there that they had for many, many years. He decided to retire. What was his name again, Steve? Uh, Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson. How could I forget? He's a legend. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, they don't have him, so you never quite know what that, that, that has to help Utah out. And then Arizona yeah. State returning uh, Daniels at quarterback. I know they lost yeah. Dino Benjamin, but he is – that Daniels fella, he's, um, he's a really good quarterback. He was a true yeah. freshman last year. Won a lot of games when a lot of people kind of counted them uh, out. And, and so I think he's going to take another jump. Another, another step in the right direction. They're going to be a difficult team. What, what do you make of the schedule? What games do you see Utah having a hard time in? Yeah, so I, when I look at the schedule, um, the first one that pops out is Cal. Just because – so you play Wyoming on the road, and then you have to travel on the road again to Cal. Um, and Cal, Cal, while they lost Evan Weaver and, and Ashton uh, Davis and, and Jalen Hawkins on that defense, they return – a majority of that defense, which has improved significantly over the last few years under Justin Wilcox. I look at Cal as kind of like a a Utah team a a few years back when it was really reliant on defense and taking care of the ball. I think their quarterback, Chase Garbers, is, is a good quarterback. He does exactly what he needs to in protecting the ball. Uh, but he's capable enough to make plays with his arm and with his legs. So I, I think he, that's a dangerous team, and and they do return a lot um, on the offensive side of the ball. At least all, you know the offensive line, quarterback, running back, um, and then their defense is is going to be good as well. So Cal Cal's going to be a difficult game out the jump. Um, you know, with the inexperience for Utah on the defensive side of the ball, I do think that they have more talent on the offensive side of the ball against Cal, but that's going to be, it's going to be a difficult matchup. So I, I look at Cal as, as one, one game that's going to be difficult for Utah just because it's on the road and, you know, it's, it's a good Cal team. USC, obviously the next week, uh, that's going to be difficult. USC returns a lot. Um, they, uh, they only had two players drafted in, in Michael Pittman and Austin, Austin Jackson, but they return a lot. There is a weakness with the offensive line. They have to replace some players there. They had, you know, a couple guys graduate, but their defense is going to be good. Their defensive line in particular is going to be tough, and they gave Utah trouble last year. So uh, I think that's going to be a, a difficult contest. And, and I think, you know, if there's one game where you could have the crowd there, you know, you got to look at USC or Washington as, as, those, as those games where you, wanna, you, you want the crowd, right? Because that's where, you know, Utah is really kind of able to make up the difference you know, in terms of the talent between those, between those programs, Washington, you know, they're always going to be tough. And I'm interested to see the impact of 
Chris Peterson moving on and the transition to Jimmy Lake, what does he do? You know, what his first year as head coach, what does that look like for, for Jimmy Lake? And I, I think there are things that maybe he's not prepared for, he's not ready for, just because you're, you're going to learn as a head coach, right? So I think they also lose a lot um, of experience. Jacob Eason, you know, moved on in the NFL draft. Their offensive line has to, to replace a lot. So that's going to be a tough matchup, as it always is, just because it's Washington. Um, they were, they've recruited a lot of talent on that defensive side of the ball. And then I'm, I'm with you there. I think Arizona State is going to be a difficult matchup. Um, for whatever reason, you know, Utah has struggled on the road down there in Tempe, especially late in the year where, you know, as it starts to get, get cold here and then you go down to the heat, it's still 85 degrees down there in November. And so that, that can be a difficult adjustment that we don't really talk about. We don't know how, what that's like, you know, where you're playing in the cold weather, you know, for an entire week. And then all of a sudden you got to play in, in weather that's 50 degrees, 60 degrees hotter. Like that could be a, a difficult adjustment. Um, and so Jaden Daniels, as you mentioned, is a talent. Like he, uh, you know, what he did last year outside, like forget what, so forget what you saw in the Utah game. That was not Jaden Daniels. Look at what he did the rest of the year. I think he only finished with two interceptions um, on the year. So I think he had like 19 touchdowns, two interceptions, 3,000 yards. He beat Oregon, you know, single-handedly basically. He made some great throws. Yes, he had some playmakers that were able to generate some some yards after the catch and Brandon Ayuk and other guys, but they, uh, they've recruited really well and have added some talent around him to replace the guys leaving the program. That's going to be a difficult matchup. They they lose a lot, you know, on on the offensive line and elsewhere throughout the roster, but there's still a lot of talent, um, and and so that's going to be the difficult matchup for me. When I look at the schedule, those are probably the four most difficult games, you know, when I look at this schedule. Um, I, you mentioned Washington State. I'm interested to see Nick Rolovich and and what he does transitioning from Hawaii. He plays a run and shoot. Uh, offense, which is similar to, to Mike Leach, but it's more about the quick passing game than it is the vertical uh, vertical air raid that Mike Leach likes to utilize with the cross routes and that kind of thing. So uh, it's going to be a similar looking offense, but it's going to be different different in how they actually execute. So uh, yeah, so I'm I'm with you for the most part. I've got Cal, USC, Washington, and Arizona State as as the four difficult games for Utah. If they can win one of those, I think they're sitting in pretty good shape. We can agree on we can agree on three of the games, obviously. USC Wash uh USC Washington and uh, Arizona State. You've gone with yeah. Cal. I, I went with uh Washington State as 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 the other tri- tricky game. So of those four, I, I'm gonna say that Utah wins two of them. Uh, and Utah fans aren't gonna like this. Um well they will like it but they won't like it at the end because I think they finished <laughs> I think they finished ten and two personally, which is which okay. is really good. Um, yeah, that would be a phenomenal I, year. But I do think that they they are going to eventually lose to USC and Arizona State, and they're two teams in the South. Um, and if you if you lose twice in the South, the chances of you winning the South are uh, incredibly difficult. I know it's been right. done before. Utah did it last year, but at the same time, it um, it just seems like a, a challenge that's that's maybe too big for, for Utah to overcome. So I don't think they win the South, Steve, but I think they finished 10 and two, which, uh, which would, re- would really sting. Um, but at the end of the day, you'll go to a very good bowl game and, 
and it'll be all peaches. You'll probably end up in uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl again at ten and two, you know, which uh, which is nonsense. But uh, anywho, um, what do you make of it? How many? So, what's your overall record? Do you have a prediction, or do we have to wait till next week? I guess I just went out on a limb and went on record to say that they're going to go ten and two, and all of a sudden yeah. I'm feeling like that wasn't a rational decision made by myself. <laughs> No, that's great, man. I, I think that there's a legitimate way for that to happen. And I think that's what's exciting, right? Despite what Utah loses, I think 10-2, and two, it's not out of the realm of possibility with what this coaching staff has done in, in bringing in talent to the program and, and developing the guys in the program. So I think it's certainly um, on the table. I, I've maintained all offseason, 7-5, and five, I would be – I would be – good with the seven and five year. I think I would be impressed with eight and four. Uh, I would be ecstatic with nine and three and through the roof with anything, you know, nine wins and up like that's an unbelievable job by the players and coaches to, to, to win that amount again. I think that would be impressive. So I'm, I'm sitting somewhere I've I've kind of I was so I was so hard on 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 Utah with the schedule a couple months ago I was saying you know we'd be good with 6 wins 7 wins like that's where I was at but as I've I've looked at at the schedule and looked at the rosters and and kind of what's happened um you know elsewhere throughout the Pac-12 I I can I see myself continuing to to raise that number. I'm 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 stuck between seven and five and eight and four is what I expect. Just because while Utah may beat, you know, they may surprise us, you know, by beating maybe a Cal or a Washington. Um, I think the inexperience factor is going to cost them a game that maybe we don't don't expect. And I think that's always something you gotta got to consider when you look at Washington last year they were in a similar position uh, that Utah is in this year so so they lost almost their entire defense they had to replace a quarterback a running back and an offensive lineman so they had to they had to replace a lot last year they ended up seven and six they they hung tough with USC and Oregon uh, but they slipped up against Colorado and Stanford uh, in games where they were the heavy favorites just because of where the programs were at and, and the talent on the roster. So I, I, there, there's going to be a, a game. The inexperience factor is always a wild card. Um, and so I, I, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I, I find myself sitting between 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four, um, on the year. I think if they, they get in the bowl game, I think they get back to their winning ways in the bowl game and finish with – you know, nine wins on the year, which would be a tremendous season uh, following up, you know, the last two years. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately... We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, 
the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, no, you, you do make a good point. It's a dog-eat-dog world out here in the West, and uh, year in and year out, the Pac-12 just uh, seems to do itself no favors at all by, no. by slipping up, you know? No team yeah. can... No team can, can – I think there's only been one team in the history of the entire conference, you know, going back to the Pac-8 and then the Pac-10. Like, like the however many – I thought what is it now? The 105 years that it's been around. I think only one team has, has ever gone undefeated. Uh, and so it just, it just doesn't happen. Um, yeah. So, so 10 and 2 is a stretch, and I understand that, but I'm an optimist. <laughs> and uh, We love it. We love yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm going to stand by that. But I will admit, uh, you are – uh, on a far more realistic route than than I am. So, anywho, uh, regardless, I do I do think, and I was thinking about this the other day before we move on. Uh, Utah's success, personally, will rely so much on the play of the offensive line uh, because they return so many guys. Yeah. And and this isn't just Utah. This is every football team. You know, when you break it down, you you, you look at the production of the offensive line. That that'll tell you a lot about how good a football team is because you right. you can do. Despite how talented you may be in the backfield with your quarterback and your running back, you know, if you don't have a good offensive line, Steve, this isn't rocket science, you, you are limited. You can't do much with, with a bad offensive line. I don't care who's in the backfield. You just can't yeah. do much because they're constantly uh, under pressure. They, they have defenders in their face the second they touch the ball, and, and it makes life very difficult. When you have a good offensive line, it, even if you have mediocre players at the running back position and at the quarterback position, you can do a lot more. So, so the, the production of the offensive line to me is key. And I thought last yeah. year they were good. However, I thought as the season went on, if I, if I were to um, criticize, I guess, I, I didn't feel as though they ended the season well. And I, th- and I think Jim Harding, Coach Harding, the offensive line coach, would, would agree. You know, he's, yeah. pretty, he's a pretty upfront, honest fella. And, uh, and I know he was quite irate and upset with a number of the guys, specifically in that Pac-12 championship game. I thought they got manhandled right. by Oregon um, and, and then even against Texas, you know. When, and granted, yeah. Oregon and Texas, two of the bigger programs in the entire country, so it's not like they were getting beat by, by, uh, by the Colorados of the world. Uh, but they certainly need to pick up their pace and, and, and make a jump from uh, last year to this year. And if they're able to do that, I think Utah's a red-hot chance to win a lot more games than people think. Now, granted, it's easier yeah. said than done, as I mentioned at the start of this little rant, that uh, it's a dog-eat-dog world out here in the West. So, anyway, we'll move on. Uh, CP3. CP2. What's his name? You know, Clark Phillips CP3. Second. Clark Phillips the third. third. He's the third. Yep, oh. he's the third. CP3. I like that nickname. Is it, has he been, like, has have people called him that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's owned it, but it's different. So, so Chris Paul is known as CP3, but he he uses the actual number number three, whereas Clark Phillips he uses the the numerical, the Roman numeral mm. number three. So there's there's a good way to differentiate between the two, right? So CP3 the number or CP3 you know the the Roman numerals, uh, and I, I think Clark Phillips. Uh, Man, this this kid's gonna be good, Tom. <laughs> this kid's gonna be good. Um, his uh, I had somebody reach out to me and send me a little video of Clark Phillips working out. Uh, 
the boy, he can move, man. This kid can – he is an athlete, uh, and I, I think there's – Plenty of reason to be optimistic about him and his future at Utah and what he can do. I think he's a key piece to this defense. Um, if he, you know, he's coming in with the expectations of competing right away, not only competing, but playing at a high level. Right. That's kind of the level that he's holding himself to, uh, which is exciting. And, and I think while there may be a dip in terms of the um, – the level of play in the secondary, you know, in terms of all five positions, I think Clark Phillips is going to come in playing at a high level where, you know, he's at least carrying um, the, 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 the burden, the, the, the bulk, shouldering the load of, of playing against, you know, some of the, the top receivers that they'll face this year. Um, but man, this kid is athletic. Uh, I got a video of him dunking. Uh, and just his vertical, like his, the bottom of his feet are at this guy, at this kid's like belly button. It's crazy. Like he got up. He is, uh, he's an athlete coming into the program ready to go. I, I, I'm excited to see this kid. So according to according to the University of Utah official website, utahutes.com, um, Clark Phillips III is five foot ten and 191 pounds. So let's forget about the weight for a second, because I guess that's irrelevant. Five foot ten. He's not the tallest of folk, right? He's, you know, I'm I'm five eleven and three quarters, and the three quarters matters, Steve. And uh, I felt yes. I felt as though that that I was one of the smaller guys by some margin on the football team back in the day. He's five ten. So, yeah. so he's smaller, smaller. I shouldn't say smaller. Maybe smaller is not the right word. But he isn't as as tall as I am. He's he really isn't that big of a guy. And for him to be able to get up and and dunk in the in the manner and fashion that uh, this video shows that he's capable of, just uh, it just goes to show kind of the athleticism we're working with. To re- to remind our our listeners, our beloved Utah fan base, Steve, with with just some of the accolades this young fella was uh, was picking up in high school. By by Rivals and ESPN, um, he was rated the number four cornerback in the country. Um, 247 Sports, I know, had him had him there as well. So Rivals, mm-hmm. ESPN, 247 Sports, all had him as the number four cornerback in the entire country. Four-star recruit, probably should have been five, based on uh, based on his office sheet. I mean, we're talking about a guy that that has a lot of expectation. Now, that does scare me. Slightly, because I think any time young kids, young eighteen-year-olds, I guess technically at that point they're men, um, have such large expectation, it, it can get the better of them. Um, and we've seen it so many occasions uh, across yeah. the entire uh, college football landscape. You know, whether it be at Utah, Ohio State, wherever. Yeah, you know, it just seems mm-hmm. as though these kids come in so much expectation. Hey, go line up against the best receiver from the opposing team week in and week out. You know, you expect him to do well. You expect him to win. That's not going to be the case in, in, right. in every time. You know, I think that's worth noting. And I know we went on this kind of rant a few weeks ago with, with Peter Costelli, and we'll get to him in a minute. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think the same, the same thing is to be said with, uh, with, with CP3, uh, Clark Phillips III. I, I think Utah fans need to be really excited about his ability. But at the same time, yeah. um, you have to understand that he's going to suffer some losses. Yeah. And um, and hopefully hopefully he has more wins than he does losses, but you just never know. Regardless, the man at five foot ten can dunk uh, at a remarkable rate. 
remarkable rate. I can barely touch the net. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at. Yeah. yeah. At, at one point when I was, you know, at, at my peak, I was, I think I was 5'11". I never, I never hit six feet, although that's what my driver's license says. Um, never hit six feet. But I've, I've got longer arms. I've got a, a little bit longer of a wingspan. I was, you know, slim. I was down to 185. Uh, which, you know, that was many, 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 many years ago. Uh, but I was down to 185, fresh off my mission. I was fit. I was jumping everywhere. I was dunking. Um, you, wait, you were dunking? I could dunk, yeah. It, I could only do it for a month That could because, you know, once I got home from my mission, I was, you know, I was hitting a Betos and, and that kind of thing Ooh, uh, get pretty that. often. Hold yeah, on, quickly. So. Were you dunking with a – basketball or a yeah. deflated soccer ball no it was it was a basketball two hands off two feet two hands i i can't you know have a difficult time holding the ball with one arm with one hand i should so say there were no there were no two windmills hands. no windmills yeah. or anything no and i i had to i had to bounce it off the backboard so i kind of had to alley-oop myself just because it's easier to catch the ball up there and dunk it so my yeah goodness. i used to be able to uh, it wasn't. It, it was nothing super impressive. It, it was a struggle, but uh, it feels good to be that high in the air. I'll say that much. So Clark Phillips is definitely jumping higher than me. That's that's for sure. Well, you're jumping or, or, or could jump higher than I ever could. So um, it's a shame you didn't have the connections you have now. You know, just hit up Bobby and say, "Hey, man, you know, I don't want to come across uh, um, as though." I'm pushing anything or whatnot, but here's a video of me dunking. You know, if you have a spot, you know, hey, hey. I'll take a kickoff team spot. Really, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, just yeah, you let know, me put uh, the pads on. Just, just let me be a guy. Just give me the jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And while we're at it, just load me up with all the Utah football gear from the equipment room, and then <laughs> I won't, I won't have any issues. I'll dip. I'm out. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. In fact, my mom's calling for dinner right now. We're meant to be working out. I, <laughs> I got to go. Anyway, uh, Peter Caselli, Steve. So what are your guys over there at 247 if you don't subscribe to UteZone? Uh, what's that website, Steve? Uh, UteZone.com. That's, that's our website, UteZone.com. You can check us out. We're actually running a promotion right now. So our annual memberships, um, VIP memberships, where you get kind of the, the insights from our recruiting experts and that kind of thing. Um, running a special 60% off right now. So check us out. Um, but our guy, Greg Biggins, who's, you know, one of the, the most well-known and respected, you know, recruiting analysts, he's been doing this for like, man, 30 years. Like he's been in this game. You can talk to Mitch Harper about Greg Biggins. Like he'll go, he'll go off on stories about Greg Biggins, but our guy Biggie, um, caught up with Peter Costelli's head coach at Mission Viejo, Chad Johnson, not that Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, but another Chad Johnson. Uh, and, uh, there's a lot to like about Peter Costelli, right? I mean, we all love seeing the four-star ranking. I think we kind of make our, our, our own uh, assumptions about his talent level. But when you watch the tape, um, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of physical traits that you love. You love his acceleration. He's a track kid, right? He was projected to run a 10-6 this summer on the 100 meter, uh, which is just phenomenal. That's a phenomenal time for any athlete, let alone a quarterback. So, uh Great athlete, great arm, throws with accuracy, has a big arm, can get it down the field. Um, and so those things are obvious. Uh, I think what's exciting is, um, is, is what Biggins shared with us uh, yesterday. Is, you know, he caught up with his head coach, and what he shared was just that P- 
Peter Costelli is, is, is due for a big year. Last year, he just, he was new in our system. He came from another school. He wasn't comfortable uh, with the offense fully just yet. So uh, there, there just wasn't, wasn't that chemistry, uh, the, the confidence and, and comfort in the offense just yet. And so he was just kind of slow in, in terms of his processing of the plays on the field, you know, during the games. And I think that's where you're going to see the biggest jump, biggest amount of growth from Peter Costelli this year is he's going to be much quicker in terms of how he's processing the game, you know, that's, that's happening in front of him. And I think that's going to be a, a, a significant boost to his stock and, and his profile, at least in terms of how we view him, you know, as recruiting analysts. But if you're Utah, that's just, that's encouraging because again, that just reiterates what you see on film in terms, he's got all the tools that you want. He's got the arm power, the, the arm strength, the accuracy, the athleticism. Uh, he can throw a touch. He can make a variety of throws. It's just, he wasn't fully comfortable in the offense last year. And I think that is, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch in this year. Assuming we have football, obviously, assuming we have football, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see the growth that he makes coming from his junior year and, and into, into his senior year. So a lot of like, it's a lot like what we've seen with, with Utah. You know, what is year two under Andy Ludwig going to look like with this offense, you know, with the receivers and, and everybody coming back in year two? Same thing for Peter Costilli as he now enters year two under Chad Johnson and their offense down there. So uh, plenty to be optimistic about with Peter Costelli. Um, he published he, he, his dad, who is also named Peter Costelli, uh, tweeted out a video of him working out. And you can just see it. You see the, you know, his, his form, his throwing motion. It's, it's beautiful to watch, man. I shed a tear or two, you know, maybe, you know. So it's, it's all right. watch you can it. admit that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. I, I've shed many a tears to, uh, to videos that people would uh, quite frankly frown upon. So how, uh, how many punting videos? How many punting videos have you shed a tear to? Is that? I mean, is that what we're shedding tears for? Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's basically it. Um, because yeah. when I watch football, I watch for fourth down. Unless I'm watching on Sunday and I've got my fantasy, I watch red zone. Uh, but yeah. it's still, you know, the, speaking of which, you know, nothing irritates me more when when red zone will be playing a clip from from a specific game, and then the punter will come out right, and you're like, here we go, my one punt for the day. Yeah. Then they cut and they go to they another cut game. Away from like the this, game. The disrespect. I think is, of you every time they do that. That's disrespectful. I'm going to start yeah. filming every time they do that. Put them on blast on the social uh, platforms. Anyway, speaking of social, um, and before we get out of here, Steve, I saw a statistic, um, and I can't quite remember who it was from, so I do apologize. But it, um, as I'm sure many Utah fans by now know, Utah had the fourth most drive selections of any uh, college, any football team in the entire country, only yep. behind the likes of LSU, Alabama, and I think uh, Ohio State. Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia. Ohio so State, were, Michigan. Anyway, one, one of the two, yeah. they, were, they were fourth or fifth. And then this, this, um, this platform on, on Twitter broke down kind of the number of four- and five-star athletes on each roster. And, and the likes of uh, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, yep. Clemson, Michigan, whoever the, the other guys above them were, they had like, you know, anywhere from 40 to... 60 to 64 and five star yeah. guys on the roster. Utah had eight. 
Yeah. We had eight guys on last year's roster that were ranked as a four or five star guy. And I don't think anybody was a five star. So all eight were four stars. Mm. And, you know, it just goes to show how good Kyle Whittingham and his group of men are, his assistant coaches are at, at developing talent. And what gets me excited and what should get other Utah fans excited as we, as we kind of wrap this episode up, Steve, is if, if Utah can get more and more four star guys, you know, let's not. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It'll be nice to get a five-star guy here soon, but let's just stick to the four-star. The more that they can, they can get from four-star athletes, it just who knows what the future holds for this program yeah. with how good they are at developing. The P- Peter Castellis, the Clark Phillips thirds of, of the world, the more we can get of them, I, I think Utah could turn into seriously a, a perennial powerhouse in college football. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, but, but down the road, you know, you look at the – you look at the strides that Utah's taken just since joining the Pac-12. It's been, you know, unbelievable the climb that yep. they've been on, the, the trajectory. And uh, now we're starting to enter kind of this different chapter, this new phase, if you will, where more four-star kids are, are willing to come to Utah simply because of the success that they have been able to have with one, two, three-star guys. Yeah. Um, putting so many, so many athletes into the National Football League with, um, with nowhere near as much talent as some of the other programs that they are competing right. with. So I, um, I hope that brightens up Utah fans' weeks as we head into the weekend. Um, and I think I just thought that was a really cool statistic. And, yeah. and I hope Utah fans saw it. If they didn't, they heard it here. Well, what's, what's fascinating about that? So. Utah had eight guys on the roster that were four stars, right? This year they'll have 12 um, on the roster. So the talent continues to rise. I think Utah can get to the point where they've got, you know, 20, 25, 30 four-star guys on the roster. I think it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take a full four, three to four more years to hit that point, obviously. Um, But they'll get to that point where they've got, you know, a portion of their roster – uh, you know, being four-star talented guys. Uh, and, and what's interesting, when you look at the four-stars, Utah's recruited seven four-stars, uh, four-star players over the last four years. Four of them have gone to the NFL. That's a significant uh, percentage sending your four-star. So it's not just getting the talent in the building. You still have to, you know, develop those guys and get them into the NFL. And Utah's done a good job of that. You look at other programs like Texas, I think they've only sent like 15% of their four and five star players to the NFL. That's not a great rate. So that's what's exciting. You know, when you talk about adding talent is that Utah is going to maximize, you know, these guys while they're at Utah and, and, you know, it's should be fun to see. No, it should be. And, you know, despite yeah. all the doom and gloom that surrounds us um, during these difficult times, hopefully Utah fans can find some light in the fact that their program is um, is headed in the right direction. It seems to be continuing that. Ten and two, way. baby. Ten and ten two. And two. Have a look at we'll the party <laughs> on Main Street following a ten and two. But, uh, Let's go. Steve Bartle and myself. Uh, uh, don't forget to check out Uzone.com, as mentioned earlier, 60% off right now um, if you're interested in, in their VIP Access, you won't find um, really a better platform in the entire market to get your uh, Utah insights. Uh, that and, of course, KSL Sports. KSL Sports. Yeah, We've yeah. got to show love to uh, the mothership, as, uh, yes. as we call it. Um, so KSLSports.com, we like you. In. And, uh, and of course, Nate Wade Subaru, Steve, 1207 yeah. South Main Street. Uh, 
just uh, around the corner from, from downtown Salt Lake City if you're interested, interested in some of the best deals going around when it comes to buying a car now's uh, no better time. So check them out. Tell them that, um, that, that Mr. Bartle and myself sent you. And uh, look, I'm not saying they'll give you a better deal, but, but they might. You know, I mean, yeah. why not? Just, just name drop. It's no big deal. Yeah. You know, it happens all the time. But Steve, do, as always, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, make sure if you're going to name drop that you mention Tom. Don't mention me. Mention Tom. Well, or Steve, you know, either or, both works. But uh, Steve, it's great to know that you're back in uh, Salt Lake City. I'm glad you got back safely. And um, and I guess, you know, El Dorado Tacos, if you haven't been, please check it out. And, and for our listeners, um, and, and if you guys have any good Mexican recommendations for Mr. Bartle. Taco joints. Yeah. Taco joints. Then, then send them through uh, your handles at sbartle247. Yep. on Twitter, and you can find me at Tom Can't Hack It. Until next week, Steve, so long and goodbye.